Colossians chapter 3, if you would, in your Bible, turn to Colossians chapter 3. I was musing this morning about uh, this truth that never or rarely gets told that should be shared by churches like ours from the get-go. That it's a great divider in the kingdom and it's a great misunderstanding. A lot of confusion is over this. One, one thing we do is we have our Bible reading. Let's see if I have one here. Where we read through the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs and Genesis. We read through those in the year. We don't do Leviticus and Lamentations and all that. And, uh, but even some of the Proverbs that we're going through. You have, to, you have to put a footnote in them because that's not how it works. And the, things, the thing we do not tell in the church that must be told because we have a Bible that's got the Old Testament and the New Testament. Is that right? Is that what your Bible has? It wouldn't be, wouldn't be wrong just to have the New Testament. But there's two messages that God sent to his people. One was the Old Covenant. And in the Old Covenant, you have to know, nobody was born again, so God was in control. God was in control in the Old Testament. Uh, we read this morning, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and he moveth it whithersoever he will. Well, that used to be the way it was, but now... Jesus has come. There's a great division between Malachi chapter 4, the last book of the Old Testament, and the New Testament. But even in the Gospels, no one's born again. So Jesus is working with an impaired bunch of people. He's telling them the good news that's coming. Prophetically, he's telling them this is happening. He said, forgive 70 times 7. Well, that was impossible for those people. He was saying... Speak to the mountain, be, say to the mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast in the sea. He was, he was talking about the new covenant, but he was dealing with old covenant. And we fail to tell people, I think, to tell people that the Old Testament is speaking to a different people than we are. And so when they see it in there, that God smites these people and kills them, they're going, that's God. Do you all know that's what they think? That's what God, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's in the Old Testament. They, they see that and they say, wow, this is some, some good news. I don't think so. So we should. We should preface everything with people when they say God's in control and tell them God was in control. But then Jesus came and put us in control. Are y'all with me? Yes. And you go, well, that's quite a transition. Well, there is quite a leap between Malachi and Matthew, Malachi and Acts and Romans and Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all of those books. The Gospels tell us about the love of God. Jesus says, I've come to show you the Father. He, I'm going to love you because I'm demonstrating that he loves you. 
but that's not once you know the love of God, you go, I want to get born again. I want to be in the family that loves the family. But then the epistles tell us the job of the church and how to get it done. That's where you live. That's where we live. We, we're, we're not just doing things in the church. That we're not, church is not just in our life. Church is our life. Church is our life. And I understand, we all understand how political it is, how weak it is, how inept it is at times, how double-minded it is, hypocritical, self-serving. All right, well, why is that? Well, because there's people in the church. If he'd put a bunch of angels in there and say, no people allowed, we might have a better church, but we wouldn't have much, would we? So Colossians chapter 3 is in that section of the Bible that the Lord is telling the church how to operate, how things are. In chapter 3 and verse 9, he says, lie not one to another. Isn't that amazing that that would be something that he would tell the church at Colossae? Y'all quit, y'all quit messing with the truth. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. There it is right there. Seeing that ye have put off the old man. Have y'all put off the old man this morning? You know what he looks like because he's around. He's got a memory. He's got a track. He's got a fragrance. He's got a mode of operation. And put on the new man. Oh, there's an old man and a new man. Well, the Old Testament just talks about the old man. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere in the Old Testament, the old man. Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. The Wiest translation. The Wiest, we, we don't quote it much, but it's, it's kind of a, well, it is an amplified version. It goes on and on, the multiple choice version. It says, stop lying to one another, having stripped off and away from yourselves, and for your own advantage, the old, listen, antiquated, outworn, decrepit, useless man, the person you were before you were saved, with his evil practices, and having clothed yourself with the new man, the person you are after you are saved, who is constantly being renewed. Aren't y'all glad we're constantly being renewed with a resulting advanced and perfect experiential knowledge, which is according to the image of the one who created him. So the new birth was instant. The twinkling of an eye. That's how fast it happened. God, God's still working on me. No, he's not. He worked on you. And you said, I'll take it. And one, in one moment, less than a moment, a part of a moment, we were changed, transformed. We were born again. We were born again. You know, we know the natural birth. It's not something that's working. Well, you know, I'd like for mom to go home, but I'm still in the birthing process here three months later. That's weird. But then we put that into the New Testament. So Christians are converted and filled. We are so unique. 
because we are converted and filled with the same nature of God. No one dares say that. And we're so used to it in the sense of that's the operation that we're kind of flipping about it. Oh, yeah, I got the same nature as God. But then after we put a period after that statement, it seems like most Christians talk about the old man and how failure prone. Well, nobody's perfect. Oh, my. So we are partakers of God's nature. What is the analogy that something is the partaker of someone else's nature? Well, it's the natural birth. They can even do DNA and tell who your parents are. They can weed, go into the weeds and, and say, who are you? You're, 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 your markers are in this boy, this girl. What are you doing here? You're, yeah, they can tell because you've got the same nature as your parents. You can deny it. I've always denied my two brothers. Uh, yeah, I say if I said I'm adopted and they said, no, nah, you're not adopted. You look just like your father. I said, OK, they were adopted then. <laughs> we, we, we are hardly claiming each other in, in that sense. But we have the same nature as our parents in, in the sense. Now, you have to you have to put off that because you'll be like daddy or you'll be like mama. And we can't do that. Mama died with some disease at 59 and I won't outlive her. Well, that'd be wrong thinking. But I'm, I'm acutely aware as we go through this series, this is number, this is number eight. And it, and it doesn't look like the wheels are down yet, so it may, it may fly around the airport another time or seven. We don't care. We need to know who we are. People spend a lot of time and energy and money on Ancestry.com trying to find out who they are, where they came from, who their, who their lineage is, and then just ignore this that tells us who we really are. We're born again. When we've been rebirthed, refathered from above. So I'm aware that even though that happened, a lot of people are not going back to that marker in their life they want to go back further than that and pick up the old man and live rather comfortably, saliently with that old man. But I tell you, the new birth is personal. It's personal. We ought to go back to that landmark and mark it in our lives and ascribe it. I know uh, I've heard y'all say, uh, some of y'all, that you've been baptized more than once. It's because that moment in time was not of the new birth was not given value and worth. It was not a marker of transition. It was like, well, that's what we do at our church. Everybody goes down there at some point in time, gives their heart to Jesus, to the pastor, get baptized, and then we move on. It's, then it's Monday and we move on. But that's not serving us well. We should go back and mark the time that we were born out of iniquity, loosed out of sin, delivered from the power of darkness, and brought to his marvelous light. We ought to mark that down so that we don't accidentally, as it were, slip back into that. 
We make a great big deal about birthdays. And the reason we do is we mark the passing of a life of a year and say, well, I was 37, but now I'm marking I'm 38 or whatever. And some people don't know how old they are. You say, how old are you? I don't know. <laughs> but we should know what happened in the new birth more than anything. Because we can't live in the new birth unless we mark that we are in the new birth. Our feelings betray us. Our emotions belie what happened in that moment. That we are markedly transformed and changed by that event like no other. Like no other. Can you imagine, we cannot hardly, what you would be if you had not got saved? You go, it'd be the same. Your pants are on fire. We smell it up here. It's not right. You would not be the same. No matter how many mistakes and, and uh, walkbacks that you've done in the new birth, you can only imagine what a child of the devil would act like and have in their life. And that's what you would be. We're dealing all the time with people that are dealing with the unsaved. And it's, it's like we, we lose ourselves sometimes to think, well, why won't they do right? Why are they acting so bad? They're just lying. They're just stealing. They're just, they're just building themselves up and everything is for them. And I don't get it. And right there at that moment, you have to realize that the reason we don't get it is because we don't get it. If they're not born again, they are of their father, the devil. And all they can by nature do is to lie and steal. That's all. They, they are like, a, like a, uh, a dog that's on the streets. And you, when you see that animal, you see it's always got its nose into the next meal, looking into dumpsters and trash and on the street because that's, it's orphaned. It's not, it doesn't belong to anybody. It doesn't have any future. And that's the way the sinner is. And we're in the world with them. And yet we navigate amazingly well with them because we give them something they don't have, that they're right with God. Their whole life, like that dog, is totally built on survival. Totally and absolutely dog-eat-dog. Dog. The early bird gets the worm type thinking. They, no matter how kind they are and how, how accommodating they are, the bottom line with all these people, it can only be this. The bottom line is, is they're looking to advance themselves. They are building themselves a place where they can feel secure. And for them, there is no security. They never get out of that feeling. And we take for granted as Christians that I'm feeling good. I feel right. I'm not afraid. I wrote down uh, something I got. I don't remember where I got it. But security is not in natural things, but being in the will of God. And you, you're this morning, you're so comforted. You've been so comforted so long that you don't even know when you've not been comforted to know that the will of God is working, that we have access to him. We have access to security, to safety. The name of Jesus is real in our lives. No matter how many times we should have and could have and, 
and ought to have used it and delivered ourselves out. We, we went to fear. We went to some natural system, yet it was always there. But we're dealing with the world. Y'all, it, it's you think the world that we're in a cold war with Russia and China. It's nothing like what we are in with the devil. He hates you. Steal, kill and destroy. Steal is the word embezzle. There's a stealth operation in embezzlement. He's not just coming up and mugging you and saying, give me your billfold, give me your purse or whatever. Or I'll shoot you. It's not that. He's steadily draining off through his system. Right. Kill is not just kill like, okay, bang, you're dead. It's a, it's a murder which involves a stealth thing. I'm, I'm, I'm setting you up to murder you. And destroy is more than just not there anymore. The word literally means to render useless. Any value you'd have as a parent, a grandparent, as a, as a, as a citizen in the earth or a valued person on the planet to people, he's after that. Steal, kill, and destroy. Embezzle, murder, and, and, uh, and render useless. That's his agenda 24-7. You go, well, how come he's not on me 24-7? Oh, he is. But part of destruction, part of murder, part of embezzlement is waiting and setting you up, setting us up to a place of comfort and not being on guard in attentiveness where we go, well, everything's fine. I can, I can loosen my grip here on the things of God. I can loosen what I'm doing because... No, there's no danger. And then he comes in as a hitman when you least expect it. And suddenly there's a disease. Suddenly there's a financial thing. Suddenly someone that's dear to you doesn't like you because they heard something and believed it. And suddenly you, you find yourself partially adrift. It's because of the devil. And our inability or our, our inattentiveness to who we are in Christ Jesus. There is nothing that's impossible to you. Everything's on the table for you in heaven. I don't even like songs, and, and I guess I better preface like, that says uh, nothing's impossible to God. It's true, nothing's impossible to God, but that's not revelation to anybody. Even the heathen say, God can do anything he wants to. That's why I'm in such a mess is he's done something that he wanted to, apparently. So it's not a big revelation to say nothing's impossible to God. He can do anything he wants. What's the revelation is nothing's impossible to me. Because I've been born again. I am the father's son. And what he does, that's what I do. And what he has, that's what I have. Now, that's the revelation that seems to be there's a closed door between us and that. And we're not opening the door and going into that room. But that is the room. So we're living in the devil's world in the sense of he's the God of this world. But Jesus has made us more than conquerors. And there is nothing we can't have do or belong to you 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 have a wide open stretch 
with your life to do what nobody else can do. Never be fooled that the devil's doing something nice for you. It's called, in the world, they call that a hustle. Where someone hustles you, they set you up, oh, I'm your friend and I'll do this and we can have that and whatever. And then suddenly, they've absconded with all of your possessions and your reputation and everything and they're gone. So you go, well, he was such a nice guy. Never, never. And these people are bound, the word talks about it in Romans, are bound by a moral law. A moral law that says, I would do evil all the time, but I don't want to go to prison. So I live on this side of the moral or the, the worldly law. Y'all see what I mean? They, they'd do anything they wanted to. Read Lord of the Flies, which was a book that, uh, that uh, talks about the, the degeneration of, of, uh, of a moral code when you take the law and punishment and, and price and cost out of it, how people will devolve to, to degenerate man. Well, these people that are not born again, they're just educated. They have a reputation to protect. They, they only do what's culturally acceptable to do. And now we've got divorce laws. We've got... Uh, uh, punishment laws of incarceration and stuff. If you, if you didn't steal a thousand dollars, it's a misdemeanor. We've got all that. And so you see what's happening in our culture. They're living up to the line. They always just live up to the line. Well, we don't have a line. We live up to our identity. We live up to who we are. And if we don't know who we are, then we'll revert or lapse into that moral code. John chapter five, if you would, please. You don't have access to what the covenant says that's yours or that you can do if you don't qualify. The lottery goes out every week or month or whatever it does. And everybody matches up their numbers. So there, I guess there's like six or seven numbers. I, I have no idea, but I do, I, I do know that if you miss all, if you get all five numbers, but you miss the last one, it's the same as you turned in a blank paper on your test in, in the math class. Zero. You get nothing. In chapter five of, of John, this is a gospel. This is uh, no one's born again. Uh, excuse me. Did I say John five? Yes. Uh, verse 24. Excuse me. Uh, verily, verily, the Lord's, the Lord's getting us ready for the new covenant here. Everything in the Gospels is he's preparing the people for the transition. What's the transition? It's the new birth. How is the new birth facilitated? By him giving his life, his blood for us, identifying with man, sinful man, unregenerate man, man with no hope, identifying with him through death. He died because we were dead. Y'all know when we're not born again, we're dead. We're, there's no hope. There's no future. So he identified with us so that when we identified with him who was sinless, that did not deserve judgment, 
and he was resurrected from the dead, we can identify with him and be resurrected unto new life. In verse 24, he says, Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me. Well, who sent him? It wasn't God. That's not what he was called. He was talking about a whole new concept called father. Up into that day, you'll see in the Old Testament, and lots of people still use that, they'll say we're servants. We're, we're not servants. I'm not a servant. Now I am a son who serves. But servants are told what to do. And if you don't do it or don't do it right, there's a penalty. There's a punishment. There's a, there's a line that's drawn that says do it or else. Well, that is the Old Testament. And when they didn't do it, God, he let the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Gypsites and all those people come in and take them out. And, and they'd say, oh, God, we're sorry. We'll do better. And so it got better for them. And it would just ebb and flow. It's like, guess what it's like? It's like raising children. You go in there and threaten them. And sometimes you don't know who did it, so you just spank everybody. I lived in that house. It's like, I will take care of you later, little brother, because of what you've done and then got me spanked. And believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. He said, if you believe on him that sent me, you will have everlasting life. There was no such thing. There's no such concept in the Old Testament as everlasting life. And shall not come into condemnation. This is brand new stuff. But is passed from death into life. New stuff. You'd think we'd get it by now. This has been around 2,000 years. We'd catch on. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming. And now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Here it is. For as the Father hath life in himself. As the Father, as, the same as, to the same degree. What he is is what you are. It's the same. As the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. Well, that's big if you're Old Testament. Well, the word for life is the word zoe. So you look up in the dictionary and find out how, what zoe means. And the word is not just a 12-volt battery on your car that's low and needs to be jumped off. Right? It's down to four, four, what do you call them? Four amps, okay, twelve. 12 volt, it's a 12 volt, it's now, whatever it is, however it works, you know how it works. If I'm not getting the right word, but you know how it works. It's not that. He said, the Father hath life. Well, that word is zoe, it means absolute life. Which then when you define it, it means there's no death in it. It's absolute, it's total, it's 100%, it's overflowing. No, no lack or little can get in it. It's absolute life. It's absolute life. It's absolute light. It's absolute provision. It's absolute health. Sickness is a part of death. 
the father doesn't have any death. So the father doesn't have any sickness to put on people when they do wrong. Right. Well, the Lord put that on you to teach you a lesson. Well, it's just not true because he doesn't have any. He doesn't have any death, so he doesn't have any sickness. He, 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 well, you lost your job because y'all wouldn't go to church on Sunday, so you lost your job. He doesn't have any lack. He's in the blessing business. He, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sinned, he, he came for us. I looked up this. Yeah. We, we heard this verse yesterday, and I've, Pastor Busty used to quote this, Galatians 2.20 in the distilled version. Distilled version. And it's so cool. I looked it up. I tried to buy a distilled version yesterday. They're out of print. Nobody's got one. Except one guy's got one. It's $128. One guy's got one, and he knows I got the only one in existence. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I, uh, well, let's just, just turn to Galatians. If y'all are not in a hurry to get home, we will, we, will, we will speak of the things of God's here. Verse 20 of Galatians 2. Because Jesus said the Father has life. And it's his nature to give me his life. So right there we see the, the possibility of, of transmitting or imparting life. That there's a, like, what is life? Well, it's transmittable. We see that in that verse, don't we? He said, the Father's got life, and it's, it's his good pleasure to give me that life. But in verse 20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. There we have how we got born again. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, even though I, I, crucifixion always means death, nevertheless, I live. Explain that. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. How does he live in me? Must be some life. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There we have it. In the distilled version, it says, I consider myself having died. And now I'm enjoying my second existence which is simply Jesus using my body. Oh, Jesus is using my body. So I'm here, but it's not me. It's him in me, and he has overwhelmed me. He has eclipsed me. He has taken over my life. I, I am dead, but he's in me, so I'm alive because he's in me, and I'm alive in him. It's a little, you know, it's a little shaky there. But if you put it all together, it makes perfect sense. Until a baby's born, his or her life is in its mother. But as soon as the baby's born, it takes on its own life. Its own life. Well, when we get born again, we take on his life on our own. Hallelujah. John 14, 12, you know this one. It says, he that believeth in me, the works I do shall he do also. Isn't that amazing? This is Jesus talking. And he's in John. He's, he's still telling them about it's coming. It's coming. 
He said, the works that I do. Well, Jesus multiplied the loaves and fishes and cast the demon out of the demoniac and raised people from the dead. He said, we're going to do that. Oh, he said, oh, yeah. Then he goes on and he said, the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go to the father. So Jesus there is prophetically speaking about I'm in one place at one time. It's just me. I'm not casting devils out in Samaria while I'm in Nazareth. But the day's coming where the Holy Ghost is going to be in all of y'all. And the family's going to operate as one body or one entity. And wherever you are, you'll do what I'm doing when I was in one place. And you'll be doing it everywhere at the same time. Greater works more and of a greater intent. There's things that the Lord Jesus didn't do that we're going to do. So Jesus was using his body in one place at one time. But Paul said that we're going to use, he's going to use our bodies all over. All the time at the same time. Now, religion has dumbed all this down. Well, you know, the last apostle passed away and the Lord didn't need to be demonstrating miracles anymore. He just did miracles so that we would all know he was God. And now that we figured out that he's God, well, he doesn't need to do that anymore. And healings passed away because of this and because of that. And it's just it's just trivially it's trivial trash, trivial trash. It's just it's just a, a, an argument when you don't have anything, you just make it up as you go. And they've kind of coalesced about a few arguments. John chapter 1, please. John chapter 1. I guess we could have turned there a while ago, but I love to go through my Bible and see where I've marked it and listen to things that, again, that were important at one time. So this Zoe life that the Lord Jesus received from the Father because you know he was a natural man. Do y'all know he was a natural man? He divested himself of his divinity. So he was tempted. We know he was tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted. Well, that, he was God. Well, the Bible says he was tempted. And if you're, if you're God and there's no temptation, wow. You know, if you go into a sovereign king's palace and he's sitting on the throne and you ask him, would you come scrub the potties with me? No. But he divested himself. And so in this sense, the king came down from the throne and scrubbed the potties. Or whatever y'all think that kings don't do. Oh, my. So in this absolute life, there's no sickness. There's no lack. There's no little. There's no failure. I can't fail. You can't fail. You go, I've sure made a run at it. Well, yeah, but he delivered us out of them all. In the world, you'll have tribulation, the Lord said, but be of good cheer. It's passing through. I've overcome the, the trouble. So, yay. So what would it be like if you had all that Jesus was? Because he said here, works that I do and greater works will you do. What if we believed that and we absolutely believed that we were un unrestricted, unlimited, 
undeterred about anything that needed to be done in the kingdom that the sinners cannot do. They have no life in them. Thanatos is death, absolute death. But we have life and absolute life. What could we do? We could do anything Jesus would do. Do you think he'd buy five Cadillacs and get him Rancho de Mirage in California or whatever? Probably not. It says in verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus was and is the word. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. All things. Who made heaven and earth? The Lord Jesus. And without him was not anything made that was made. That's, that's rich. In him was life. What kind of life is that word life? If you look it up, it's Zoe. Well, if you look it up, that's what he said that God was, the Father. He is life. He is absolute life. So whatever came from the Father went through Jesus, and then he presented himself to us. And the life was the light of men. So in him, the word, in him, the word, what does it say? In him was life. So in the word is life, because he's the word. Oh, my. We, we heard some things the other day about seeing his face. And that is Old Testament. You got to you couldn't sit. You couldn't look on him because his glory was so great. You couldn't look on God's face and you couldn't look on Moses's face. That's Old Testament. They weren't born again. They weren't wired. If you if you put a fan into the 220 plug of your dryer or your stove. You've done blown it up. It's gone because it's not wired for 220. They weren't wired for Zoe. But we've been rewired. We've been redone. And it's in there. You go, well, I look just like my neighbor who is just a ringtail tutor. He's not saved. He's a cusser. He's a meanie. He's, he's, he's of the devil. And, but we look just alike. Matter of fact, he speaks better than I do and has a better job than I do and his wife is prettier than mine or whatever people say. But it doesn't matter. The new birth has changed everything. So we have to acknowledge that. John 5, 26. We've already read that. But in the, you can just slip over there, verse 526, where it's, we read it. It says, uh, for as the father hath Zoe in himself. What does that mean? That's what makes God, God. That's what makes God, God. Well, he can do anything and he lives that forever. And, uh, and he's in control of everything and he can do whatever he wants to. That's not what makes God, God. Because he's life. It says in, in verse uh, 26, as the father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the son to have life in himself. The cotton patch. Y'all got to be careful if you ever go to that version. For as the father is a life bearer, so he made the son a life bearer. 
The Rue says, for the father being as he is the source of life has made the son the source of life. So how do you get the life of the father into your life? Well, we just ask God to give it to us. Not so. Because there's only one way of transmission. His name is Jesus. Well, I have a problem with Jesus. I don't want to make him Lord. I don't want to have him boss in my life. I, I want this life, but I, I want to be my own boss. Ah, therein is the issue of submission, the issue of dying in order to take on this life because as long as you're alive in yourself, you can't, you're not wired for 220, 440. You're not wired. You can't handle the life of God. You would be like that man that that they cordoned off the mountain because they didn't want anybody stepping into the glory of God and dying. So they had to get everybody to step back. Well, that's how it would be for you and me. So Jesus transmits that life. So we have to receive him. You can't receive the father without receiving him. Well, I don't want to. Well, lots of people don't want to. Wouldn't it be amazing if the good news were so evident in our lives, family, that everybody wanted what we had. We just healed the sick on demand. Well, how's your, how's your wife? How's your son? Oh, they're in bad shape. They're in intensive care. Well, I'll just slip up there and take care of that. Well, they're about to pick up, take my car away. Well, here, here's $1,000. Would that help? Yeah, I got a new job. I get paid next Wednesday. Would $1,000 help? Yeah. How'd you get so much money? We're Christians. Oh, you're a Christian. Yes, we, we are Christians. Nobody says that. Nobody says I'm a Christian and it's a, ba it's a badge, it's a medal, it's a whatever. It's like, oh yeah. You'd never guess it, but I am a Christian. I went last Easter and I'm planning on Christmas making a big entrance. We've got to get this stuff straight. Once you get it straight about anything, even, even the board games that you and I play, once you get good at it, we used to play rummy with the Wes. I'd kind of make up the rules as I went, you know, because they didn't know the rules. But doggone, that man and woman caught on. And they were whipping me every way to Tuesday. They were like, rummy, 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 rummy. I don't want to play this anymore. I want to watch Mayberry. So, so they've made up the rules. But once you get on this and find out who you are, that you indeed are unstoppable, that you indeed not are afraid to be in the presence, you're not looking for the face of God. The face of God is inside of you. There's nothing to go attain or measure up to or get. He is in me. He is in me. And as soon as I release him, everything changes. Well, what if he doesn't do it? I don't want to release it because it sure make me look foolish. You look way foolish acting, saying, professing that you're a Christian and not doing what Christians do. We don't want dogs that meow and get in a litter box. That was way funnier than y'all acknowledge. We don't want those dogs that do that. That's called a, you know what they're called, a cat. 
And we don't need to be a fake Christian. We've been endued with power from on high. From on high, how high? All the way to the top, like God the Father high. He said, these are my children. They act just like me. They look like me. They'll, they'll carry out my wishes, my plans, my design. They're, they're my children. They're all my children, and they've got all of me in all of them. Wouldn't that be? So what is, what is the hesitation? Why don't we? Well, nobody's told us. Nobody's perfect. That's what they say. You hear it all the time. Nobody's perfect. And you never know what God's going to do. So it's from being ignorant. Ignorance has prevailed in the church. We'd rather be acceptable. I'm just no sinner saved by grace. How'd that ever get started? It's stupid. You have to be stupid, not just ignorant. You have to be stupid. Ignorant would be that you didn't know. But as long as you have this, you're just stupid. Enough of that. That went over real big. Hallelujah. We're, Genesis chapter one. Do we have time to go to Genesis chapter one? Sure we do. Because we're going to lay the whole thing out there. You go, pastor, we know this. We've been studying this. It's all over us. Please go do something that we don't know. Okay. Genesis. Genesis chapter one, verse 24. God said, he said in the beginning, real close to the very beginning, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, met cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after its kind. And it was so. Verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. Okay. And God said, verse 26, let us make man, let us make man in our image, our image and after our likeness. So he got the old pattern out and said, let's do it just according to the pattern and let them. They'll be in our image and our likeness and let them, this is what they'll do when they're in our image and our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and in, and in the image of God created him, male and female created he them. So he started out with dominion. We are not an upgrade. We're not an upgrade. It's like God said, this is how I'm going to do it. I've got the earth. Eden was actually an exact copy of heaven that was put on the earth. God knew where all the trails were. He knew where all the roads were. He knew where the bridges were over the water and what kind of trees were planted where because he had been billions of years looking at them in heaven. So they're in the earth and he says, let's put our man down there. Let's put a steward over what... We, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. If you're wondering if what the we was, that's what that was. And so then he breathed into man in chapter 2, verse 7. Verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, what? The breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the new birth is just recovery to the original plan, the original system. The Lord spent a lot of years getting it back because the devil had genuinely taken control. When he was 
being, when he tempted the Lord Jesus in the wilderness and the devil said, yeah, high place here, all these kingdoms are mine. I give them to whosoever I want. It was a genuine temptation. It was a real boast that he was in charge. And, uh, but he didn't get it. So Adam lived 930 years. Uh, let's see where we are. Verse 16, the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou shalt surely freely eat. Now, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Man did no evil back then. We're not supposed to know evil now. I used to think, and I'm sure that some of you did at one time, I, I'll, I'll mess with this evil, this thing that's bad, so that I'll be aware of it. I won't go into it. I'll just, I'll just be on the outskirts of it so I'll know my enemy. That's not God's plan for your life. He wants us to be innocent. So he, he said there, he said, don't eat of the tree. That was a type of tithe. That was the first tithe. Don't eat of the tree. Don't do it. Ah, we, we want that tithe. You ought not to be driving a car. I'm broadcast now. You ought not to be driving a car where the tithe is in the back seat or in the control panel or in the transmission. We shouldn't buy our cars with the tithe. You go, well, what does God care where it came from? Oh, look in Genesis 2. It's, uh, it's pretty important to him that you respect him by respecting something that he gave, but he restricts. It's just, it's just the lordship. It's like, don't do it. Well, why can't we do it? We want to do it because you said don't do it. He said, well, then I'm not Lord. I want you to give me a sign. I want you to be a sign to yourself that I am Lord of your life. I am God, you are not. He said, don't eat of the tree. It doesn't really matter. He, he, he could have done something else, but that's what he did. It worked. And it, it, uh, it tumbled us into disarray. So Adam lived 930 years because he did, even though he did die that day spiritually, he, he lived 930 years. What a residue of Zoe what that was in him that caused his body to keep on living. Sometimes when you unplug your computer and you think, okay, that's, that's dead. They say you got to hit the power button and drain out everything that's in the switches or in the diodes or the capacitor. I don't know what all to get it all out. And it took 930 years for Adam to die physically. He was supposed to live forever. You are supposed to live forever. But death came in and the Adam took control. Adam gave control over to the devil and it's cost us ever since. Uh, so Adam connected man to spiritual death. So what was normal and natural back then, you didn't even know what death was. Nobody had eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So nobody even knew what death was. It was not a concept that was in the earth. It was not, everything was living forever. But once he knew what death was, it was in the earth. And so uh, Adam connected death to, to, to man. Spiritual death was connected to us by Adam. And so the first Adam failed, 
So the Lord Jesus came back and connected this back to life. So that's why we can't go by the Old Testament because it's connected to death. And we're not connected to death. So we don't we don't imbibe. We don't we don't take hold of anything that's in the Old Covenant, except that what is already confirmed in the New Testament. If it's confirmed in the New Testament, well, then it's good, but it stands on its it can stand without the Old Testament. But we don't connect to the Old Testament because it's got death in it. And we're, we're not connected to death anymore. We are born again unto new life. You can't lose with the stuff we use, they say. Hallelujah. The Ephesians 2, 3, listen, just listen to it. I'm going to read it in the Love It translation. All of us were bound in that state at one time. So we were all just like Adam before the new birth. There is, we, now we are, born, we are born alive unto God. If a baby dies, heaven is where they're going. We talked about this Wednesday. All of us were bound in that state at one time, responding only to the satanically inspired impulse of our evil natures. Did you get that? Satanically inspired impulse of our evil natures. That's what you're dealing with out in the world. Satanically inspired impulses of evil natures. You know, there's no difference between me and my neighbor. If they're not born again, there is a vast eternity between you and them. They are in total darkness, total darkness, and you are in total and absolute light. There is, the twain never cross. But when you come into their life and you bring the word, Jesus will heal you that. They don't know what that is. They, they've relegated that to doctors, which are just like them, unless they're born again, I mean. And so we play around with the world thinking they're just like us. Adam became born again in the garden. He was born out of life into death. He went the wrong way. Y'all remember Pastor Buzzy talking about that? Thanatos? I, love, I, I just love that man. Oh, thank you, Lord. The Romans 5.12. Let me just read it to you out of the Phillips so we don't mess around. Then This then is what happened. Sin made its entry into the world through one man and through sin, death. The integral the intel of sin and death passed on to the whole human race and no one could break it for no one was himself from sin. Free from sin. So nobody could deliver us because everybody was entangled in the same death trap. So Jesus came and became like us with flesh but was sin free. He lived above. And so when he became like us, he made a way through identification for us to be like him. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For he who knew no sin became sin for us. He identified with your sin, my sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He became like us so that we had entrance to be like him. And so we are.
The new birth has done it. You're not who the devil told you you were. You're not who your daddy said all you were growing up. You'll never amount to anything. You're not that. We are something else. Y'all. Well, I don't feel like something else. Well, you know, we talk about that all the time. You can't take your temperature on the bathroom scales and you can't read your weight on the thermometer. And you cannot tell if you're born again by how you feel. Because we have these same emotions in our soul that is many times not renewed. And it connects us to the world. It dials in. It's, a, it's kind of a remote modem or something. It dials in and tells us this is who you are. One more scripture and then we'll quit. John 10, 10. Now, John 10, 10 is Old, is, is Old Testament. I mean, it's, it's in the New Testament, but these people are all Old Covenant. So the Lord Jesus is confusing them, but he's prophesying. He's telling them this is what's coming. Like I noted before, one time Peter said, how many times should we forgive somebody? Seven times? Because that was the limit of the, of the sinner man, the man in darkness, like, I, I could, if we worked on this seven times, forgive someone. And the Lord turned to him and said, no, but 70 times seven. He's speaking of the new birth. Suddenly, someday we're gonna, you're going to be immersed in the new birth and you'll have the forgiveness of God inside of you. The love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, which has been given unto you, will be inside of you, Peter, and it'll be no problem to do 70 times 7. But it was impossible in their old state. Isn't that good? John 10, 10. Let's read it together. Verse 10, ready, read. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. And if you look up that Greek word for abundantly, oh my, it means exceeding, above, superior, extraordinary. That's just what I got wrote in my Bible. It's, it's way more than that. But it's over the top. It's, it's beyond what you could ask or think or imagine. Like every argument you would put out to him, he said, we got that covered. We got that done. So here's the key, and we'll quit with this. Jesus did not for come to forgive sin. He, nah, he came and he did forgive sin, but he didn't come to forgive sin because if he forgave sin and you and I got forgiven of our sin, but we were still sinners, the next day we would, we would sin. That's what sinners do. So he couldn't just forgive us. And a lot of people, that's their whole thing. Oh, I'm forgiven. It, it's kind of a, a cheater's way out. They don't have to admit they've completely aligned with the Lord Jesus. They just have to say, he did this for me. I'm forgiven. Well, that was yesterday. That was this morning. But what about tomorrow? Well, I'm liable to mess up. We've got to get to the place where we're not sinners because that's what sinners do. That we're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and sin's not what we do. It has happened. It will happen. 
but it's not our nature. It's not what we do. Dogs don't get in the litter box. Well, now there's crazy people out there, so I need to not I need to requalify that. But that's you. You know how that works. That's just something that that they do. They don't do. They get on the carpet or on the couch or, <laughs> or whatever they do. Hallelujah. Where am I? What am I doing? So, so forgiveness would not would move us past our past sin, but it wouldn't take care of tomorrow. We'd have to always be going back to the cross and always having to go back to Jesus. The Bible says we've been restored after the class being of creation of the original Adam. Jesus did that for us. And then while he was in there, you know, sometimes when they're putting your water pump on. They'll say the mechanical say, since we're here and we've got the whole front end out, you want us to put a new chain kit in there, a timing chain. And you go, oh, how much is that? It'll be 20 more dollars. But if it ever goes out, it'll be one hundred and twenty four dollars. And you say, go ahead and put it in. So in the same deal, Jesus had us on the rack, as it were, and said, I'm forgiven all this sin. How about if I just give you a whole new nature? And you'll never have to come back. And so he did. That's kind of a crude example, but it's it's sort of in there. Second Corinthians, and I know I said I'd quit, but let me read this. Well, I said I'd quit, so I'll just quit. Hallelujah. But it does say in the Bible. <laughs> y'all, y'all are y'all are we're wild eyed. This setting here completely belies what has happened in our past. We're sitting down like regular people and listening like ordinary folks. Belying the fact that the very glory of Almighty God is right behind this thin skin. Wow. That this mind is actually the same one that Jesus used. It's, it's his mind. When we, we're the body of Christ, we, we got his mind. We think his thoughts. Well, I don't think his thoughts. You got to know it first. Before you can expect it, you got to know it. It's coming. How do you know that? Well, I know it. You got to know it. So, so life is going by a year at a time. Rather quickly clipping along, I might add. I've never been older than I am right now. I've never happened. Yet, there's so much potential in you because of who you've been made. You can go into a power plant and turn on one switch. Deborah Ann could do it. Pam could do it. Jane could do it. Just go over there and just hit one switch and the whole factory light up. All this power is distributed because of one small lever pushed up. And the new birth, all we did is say, I am a sinner. 
I am hopelessly lost and there is nothing I can do about it. But I receive that the Lord Jesus came to not just deliver me from a sordid past, but from every moment that I shall live. And I ask you, Lord, to come and be the ruler, the master of my life. To be the Lord, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And in that I will surrender to you. We don't get that second part of the deal many times in the new birth. I, I surrender to you not just today to say come in, but I surrender to you to be the Lord of my life, all of my life. Suddenly that one little switch comes on and all the lights come on. It happened. It happened. So where there's Zoe life, sickness cannot abound. I just got to get somebody that's got some power that'll come in there and lay hands on me. Well, at times we do. But it's not because we don't have it. You got to build yourself up on your most holy faith. It's in there. Zoe life. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Put this in. Put this in. Stay out of Zechariah. You know, I'm not against Obadiah and Haggai and Habakkuk and all those guys. But that's not where the life is. Every word is, is in the Bible by, by he ordained it. But the word you need, the word I need, is right here in the New Testament. Reference the old, go back to the old, get the study of the of the dates and who's there, they're all in there and they're all supposed to be in there. But if you don't know the love of God, then you're not born again. So read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But if you're born again, get into the epistles. Find out where it says, do not lie. Or be filled and continue being filled with the Holy Spirit. And forgive one another as you have been forgiven. Confess your faults. Get those things in you and the, the life of God will begin to glow like the face of the glory of God that was on Moses where they couldn't look at him. He had to get behind the veil, didn't he? Because there was too much. He, he had been acclimated to the glory of God. Well, we've been acclimated by the new birth. We don't have any problems. We don't have any problems. We just need faith in God. Well, faith comes by hearing. It rises. It, it, it's activated by hearing and hearing the word. So read the word. Look at the word. Turn off stuff that's not the word if you have needs in your life. Don't be waiting on pastor. He, now, he's here. And we'll do it. It's not like he's, he's checking out. He's not coming back. No. That's the doctor. That's the accountant. But we need to get where this stuff is behind us. We should be experts in healing. Every one of us. We expect the accountant when we go in and say, what about this 401k thing? They, they said that I didn't put enough in this account and, and this, the percentage over here on this account is not going to be activated and I'm not going to have what I need and what about it? And he says, 
I know just what to do. If he says, doggone if I know. We're going, we're going to get us a new accountant. We are Christians. We are not looking to the fivefold ministry to be experts. We're looking to them to help us be experts. To guide us, equip us for the work of the ministry, the edifying of the body of Christ. River Church, the Lord's calling you, calling us to be whom we've been separated to be. And we should do it. We can play in the world. It's fun. Butter pecan ice cream from Publix is just amazing. It's great. But we don't bow to any of it. Are you with me? Change your mind. It's Everyone in here has been here long enough to know it's not going to change until I change, we change. It's like this, this is it. You've got, a, you've got a palette in front of you and the paint's over here and the brush is in your hand. It's not going to paint itself. We paint our future. So we're here. We've got everything we need to go forward. We've got a desire. We've got a mandate from the Lord. I'm here. If there's any help there as pastor, I'm here. We, you know, it's not like, well, we're lonely little lambs out in the wilderness. No, we're not. We're well endowed in every area. But we just got to pick it up. The word talks about no man having looked back is fit to the kingdom. I don't think you have to necessarily rebel and just say, I'm through with Jesus. I'm through with the church. People like to take the church down. They love to talk about the church not being what the church should be. Well, yeah. It doesn't take nuclear, it doesn't take brain surgery to figure that out. But that's me. That's you. That's us to say, I could do better. If I had to, I would. Well, now it's time to have to. So now, now we're here. He's coming. Y'all, you, you may say, ah, it's 20 years away. You don't know. If you knew that, you'd go invest in the stock market and we, we'd have to bank your tithe every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. You'd wear us out banking your tithe. If you knew when Jesus was coming back and, and, didn't go, and went to the stock market, we'd all be wealthy off of you. But you don't know. So we should become like there's lots of time. But on the other hand, there's not much time. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your precious, precious word that encourages us, that takes our mind out of the despair and despondency, depression. We will not have that in our life, knowing who we are and what we can do and what we can have. So, Lord, we're grateful. We're your children and we look to our heavenly father. You are the answer for everything through the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. You are not only just our savior, but you're our master and you're our very precious everything. So we take our eyes off the world, except to say, you need me, you need the gospel, you need the things of God. But other than that, Lord, we take our eyes off of any dependency, any crutching, any leaning on them. Our trust is in you. Thank you for the secret place. Thank you, Lord, we hide in the secret place. 
under the pavilion of your love. Lord, thank you. It's more than enough. So we'll go from this place, not just saying, yeah, 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 he did it again, and here we are. But we're changed by your word, Lord. If there's anything that happened this morning, is that we were changed by your word. And we give you praise, Lord. You're going to continue to do a good work of, in us until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. Well, let's... Aren't you glad he did?